Hello everyone and welcome once again to 101 George Street, the podcast from Mowbray, Scotland's National Centre for Children's Literature and Storytelling. My name is John Malloy and thank you for joining me. This episode I'll be talking to Gerald Richards. A native of New York, Gerald is the CEO of the Edinburgh-based Superpower Agency. He is the former CEO of the US-based 826 National, which works tirelessly to improve literacy through creative writing initiatives. In 2016, he was awarded the News Corp Community Hero Award and is a fellow of the Pahara Aspen Institute Educational Fellowship. Right, so we're going to crack on with uh, the the question I always ask, which is what is your favourite children's story? Do you have one? I do. I, you know, that was, it was interesting. I had to think about it <laughs> a lot because I was like, wow, I, re- I, you know, growing up, I read some stuff probably I shouldn't have been reading as a child. Um, <laughs> no, I, you know, my grandmother was an avid reader, so she had a lot of like crime novels mm, and mm. things, but I read the Chronicles of Narnia. All right. Okay. And what is it about the Chronicles of Narnia? That... Well, that's the C.S. Lewis book where they go through the wardrobe. Yes. So the Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. That's the first one, yes. Yeah, and probably, the be- I think, the best one. The rest, they were all good, sort of serialized. But that first one, I remember reading that as a kid and thinking, wow, this is like someone's actually taking me someplace where I would never have expected. Mm. Or, and the characters and the sort of world that was created and everything. I was reading it and going, this is really good. And then there was sort of a second book and I was like, oh, I'll read the second book. And then, so, you know, I think there are seven, if I remember correctly, there are about seven. So yeah. the first time, you know, I'd read seven books, right? <laughs> and I think I might have been like 10 or 11. And yeah. I was like, this is, wow, this is great. And that, but that I think really spurred me on to really love reading mm. and really enjoy it. I was having a debate with a friend of mine and they were saying how, series can sometimes be quite limiting for young people because um, that's all you read because you find your favorite author at the Mm. age of 10. You've got a favorite author and that's all you're going to read for the next two, three years. And you're just going to plod you because I'm the same. I I discovered Terry Pratchett when I was 10. So the Discworld novels and because there was, there was like back then it was 30 novels that that was my teenage years. And the argument was that, yeah, it got me into reading and I enjoy reading, but it, it also limited my scope of what I was reading because at that age, I just wanted to read Terry Pratchett. Did you yeah. find the same with you? No, because I think because it was written, by the time I read it, you know, they had been out for a long time. Mm. And then he was done. And I know C.S. Lewis did a few other books, but they never really interested me. Mm. So I was like, okay, I was done with that. And then it was like, you know, I'm... I've always been a fan of sort of fantasy science fiction and all those things. Like I grew up watching Star Trek yeah, and Space 1999 and all that stuff. So I was like, anything that was like that to me was captivating just automatically. So I read those books and then I think it didn't sort of make me think, I'm not going to read again. I'm done with that. It made me think, well, I wonder if I can find anything else that's like that mm. or anything else that is that interesting. Um, and I think it also made me want to write which was the other piece. A lot of it that made me want to write that and sort of science fiction and watching television were the things that made me want to write because I was like, well, if he can do it, I can do it. Mm. I can create my own world. Why not? So I just started writing as well. But it wasn't, I didn't think the series was limiting. It's interesting because I think probably because so many of them now written are written as series, mm. like you think the Hunger Games and everything. And it is sort of like once it's done, it's done. Yeah. 
and how do you get someone involved in something or interested in something that's, you know, once you've had that excitement, I think some people go, oh, I don't, I'm not going to be excited again. But it's like, you can be. And I, you know, I was, I found other things to read. So that was great. I think that's the challenge, isn't it, is to convince a young person or anyone actually that now that you've come to the ends of your thing, your series, there's other books out there, there's other worlds to explore. Exactly. exactly. And, it's, and it's okay. It's okay. You're feeling sad, but it's okay. It's okay, right? And you'll find something else and that will spur you on. And even if, and I think also if the author is prolific or the author writes a lot, like Stephen King, I think one of the things I read probably after that, which is when mm. I say things I probably shouldn't have been reading as a child, was... I read Salem's Lot by Stephen King. Oh, gosh. Yeah. How old? How old? <laughs> by that point, I was like 12. Ah, right. Three. So I was like, okay, I'm going to read it. Scared me to death. It's mm. a frightening. Fr- it, all of his books, right? Frightening. Yeah. And I read that book and I was like, well, I got to read another one of his books because that was amazing. And then I read another one. And then, you know, he's written. I God, I don't even know. Now. I haven't read a Stephen King book in a long time. The man's written like 40 or 50 books. Yeah. Yeah. And so it was just sort of like, what else has he written? Can he scare me again? And I found something else. And that was scary. And, you know, books, you're suddenly in your house, like curled up on the couch going, I'm frightened to death. And why am I reading this at this age? But I'm going to anyway. So. <laughs> I, you know, I've never read any Stephen King book ever. Like, yeah. I, I, the covers terrify me. When I was a young kid, I remember picking up <laughs> The Shining and it just had the words The Shining on it. I was like, that's not for Johnny. No, I'm, 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 I'm good. <laughs> It's funny because it is. It's like, you know, my I had an older sister and she's about five years older than me. And so she was reading it. Mm. And so I was like, oh, I'll read it. She'll read it. And she, I think, stopped reading them after Pet Cemetery. Mm. Maybe. I think she reads them still. But I think for a while she was like, I can't read these. They're too scary. And I was just like, I was eating them up. Frightened. Right? Completely scared. But it was like, I'm going to keep reading them. I'm going to scare myself again. Why not? So. <laughs> fantastic that's great that's great i love the idea of a 12 year old terrified and just reading these books it's it's i mean that's a bad idea as well but at the same time it's, it's a fantastic idea, idea. <laughs> yeah, yeah. um okay now the superpower agency which is a subject that i know is very very close to your heart um for the listeners at home in your own words what is the superpower agency yeah so we're a charity um we started in 2016 um, our goal is really to get young people excited about writing mm. and to help them build their writing skills and understanding that if they're better writers, it's going to just help them throughout life, right? And the best way to do that is to get them excited about writing, to not be scared of writing. And we use creative writing workshops um, to really engage and help young people and realizing through the writing, they're skill building, but they're also building their self-esteem. And they're also building self-confidence because we publish everything that they write um, for a lot of our workshops. So suddenly you have someone that's 11 or 12 becomes a published author of a book that's, you know, we sell on our websites and sold in stores and that we hit a launch party for it. And so you've got people who just, young people who are 11 and 12 are published authors and you just watch them grow in confidence through the workshops because suddenly for someone who's afraid or not right really not excited about writing at all it's suddenly writing whole pages of things and we bring in volunteers into the classroom we work in schools primarily mostly right now and we bring volunteers in the classroom to support the work and to support the young people so you're getting this sort of this amazing relationship built between young people and caring adults from the community 
helping them succeed and reading their work and being incredibly encouraging um, and trying to get them understanding the power and the importance of writing. Mm. And we, and, you know, I like to call it stealth education because they're doing all of this without the thought, like we're not coming in going, you must learn grammar. You must have sentence structure. You must yeah. have this. Our goal is you're being creative, put it down on the page and we'll worry about all of that later. Right. Mm. We'll get all of that as you develop. And as they develop skills, there's an editing part of it. The volunteers help them. But by the end, they wind up with a finished piece of work that's anywhere from like 500 words to we had one young woman in one of our workshops last year. And she wrote 12 pages right. of work. And she just got on literally like every class. She'd come up to me five seconds later and go, um, can you have another piece of paper? And I was like, OK. And she, you know, like literally like half an hour. Can I have another piece of paper? Mm. And so by the end, we had this 12 page story and the teachers and everybody, she never writes this much, like she's never written this much before. And we hear that a lot of the, the teachers say because of the way we engage and we make the process of writing fun and not like what they would be going through in school. I think mm. a big goal of ours is how do we make this engaging and fun? And it's not like school. You don't have to be afraid of it. That you find that they write a lot more mm. because it's not high stakes, right? It's, 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 it's for an assignment and it's for a project, but they don't know that. Yeah. right we sort of adults have come in literally most of the times we wear capes when we walk into the class superpower agency capes yeah. superheroes so <laughs> we wear capes in and we try to shift the expectations of them so it's not school yeah. suddenly there are these adults in the room in sparkly capes and masks helping me with this assignment of writing this story that i get to write that's on a topic we come up with but one that's sort of like write what you want and they build it. I mean, that's such a rare thing, actually. Um, I used to teach middle school English in Germany. And what occurred to me is that because teachers are under so much pressure to teach to, teach to the exam or teach to the syllabus, and you have to communicate what these skills are and the need to learn the skills and the techniques of writing, like you say, grammar, sentence structure what is a metaphor what is a simile all that really dry stuff that often can can suck the love and enjoyment out of creative writing there's not a lot of time for creative writing in schools now no 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 and I, like i said it's like you 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 the teachers are teaching on the mechanics mm -hmm. we just get them to write and then that transfers over to what they're learning anyway so a lot of times the teachers will be able to bring in what they're learning into the workshop or at least be able to ask for whatever the next assignment might be right our workshops last anywhere from about eight to ten weeks right. um and we come in we bring in maybe anywhere from five to ten volunteers at a time and the teachers will then take that and go oh remember in the story you read where was the metaphor in that or make sure you you know make sure you use more similes or make sure you know you've got your full stops and everything together so it's in there and you're able to teach them that without it being sort of, you know, we, we, and that's, we like to be a resource to the teachers. Mm. And we're like, we're going to help you do this, but in our way, but it will bleed into everything else that they do yeah. over time. So, you know, since, since we started, we've worked with about 2000 young people. I'm here in Edinburgh. We've got about um, 11 school partners. That's high, high schools and primary schools that we work with. And we published about 17 books, books, magazines, of their writing that must be a truly monumental 
uh, moment in some children's lives, actually, if you think about it, to have a book that is published with your work, with your writing, with your musings, with your creativity in the, in those pages. I mean, that that's huge, particularly for young people. Those young people happen to be what, what we would call the academic young people. So, um, I mean, I mean, this this is almost kind of moving towards stereotypes. But you have some young people are really into sports, and they get a lot of their achievements and validation through their sports. You know that this is what I've done. I'm 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 a team player. This is what I do. And some young people tend to be quite artistic, and they 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 can produce paintings and things. But if you're someone who likes writing, and you're going through an education system which is placing a lot of value on the technique of writing and the mechanics of writing, as opposed to the product of writing, being able to have this product this book that you can keep forever and you you can show off with exactly yeah that's sort of you got you have this they have a physical representation right because i think a lot of times in school you do your work and it goes off into the universe right and here suddenly you have a printed book that you have that you keep forever right i always to say you can you know i always used to joke with kids when we have launch we have a launch party for every book we tried to we did pre-covid um would have a launch party and i always joke with kids i said you know you're published authors. I've been writing since I was your age. I'm not a published author, right? I don't have a book. <laughs> and your book's in the store. And you, we hear stories of the kids. They go into this, they will go into a store with their parents and go, my book's on that shelf, mm. right? Or they take their grandparents. And it is, it's a, it's a transformational event for them because suddenly it is like, oh, this is, it's sort of, I'm, I'm now someone that actually has a book. Mm that exists in the universe that's in, you know, our first book that we published, we put in the National Library, was inducted into the National Library, Scotland. And we had a party at the National Library for the kids and you just saw them like, we'd ask them, you know, I would say, they, they say the weird American guys coming to the workshop and I love them and they're great, they, but they, um, we asked them to sign their book when the book was published. We, the first book we did was a guidebook called The Lether's Guide to Leaf. Mm. And we asked the kids to, you know, tell us what you like about your city and all the places we should go eat. And I just, I think I just moved to Edinburgh maybe three weeks before we started this workshop. So I was like, you need to tell me where to go because I have no idea where to go. And they produced this book. It's great. We had this great ceremony and I asked them to sign the book. I said, you know, you're an author now. Authors sign books, sign your book. And there was a first, and these are maybe 14, anywhere between 14 to 16 year olds. And there was the first, the collective groan mm. of like, oh God, Gerald, okay, fine, we'll do it. By the end, we bought with us about 250 books. They had signed all of them. Like they wouldn't stop. They were so <laughs> excited about it. They were just like, you know, signing. And I think they were done and they're done. And they're like, so our book's going to go in this library. Mm. yes forever yeah forever like walter scott's book is downstairs your book's <laughs> next to walter scott's book and you know they might not know they know who walter scott is but they're like oh that's you know it's a significant event and uh you know you're 14 years old that's a significant event in your life mm. you know and i think one that they can take that everyone in their family and everyone in the community can be proud of absolutely and I think I need to address the the elephant in the room with this one because I noticed there's a slight accent, <laughs> and you did mention about the being American, and this yeah. 
this kind of leads into my next question with regards to um, um, the A26 National, that's over in America. But, but you are from America originally. That's right. And you've been based in uh, Scotland for three years now? Three years now, yeah, three years. What brought you over from the States to Scotland? Well, you know, the model that we described, the model is inspired by 826 or 826 mm. National and its network of creative writing and after-school tutoring centers. So I was the CEO of the National Network for 826 for about seven years. Um, and so 826 was started by author Dave Eggers um, with 826 Valencia um, as a way to get a space that's a safe space for kids to write and to get them excited about writing and then publishing them and having the community get involved. And so volunteers get involved mm -hmm. um, with the young people in their community through helping them with homework, but also writing, connecting them to, so I think a very, a much larger world than many of the students would work with um, would have been connected to before. And so I ran the network for that for about seven years and the um, founder of the Superpower Agency, her name is Maxine Sloss, came over to do a training with us because mm -hmm. the, the model of 826, I think it's one of the simplest things that you can think of as a nonprofit. It, you bring the community together, pen and paper, you have a space, you get young people to write, you bring people in and you get them excited about writing and you publish. It's not simplistic, but it is an easy model that's adaptable mm. in very many different worlds and different contexts. So the model has actually expanded from the United States to 17 other countries. So it's here, there are several organizations like the Superpower Agency in the UK, London, um, Nottingham, um, there's um, Northern there's Ireland, Ireland. There's Grim & Co in, um, in Yorkshire. Co yeah. In Yorkshire, um, Little Green Pig in Brighton. Um, there's an uh, organization in France, Labo de Histoire. I just love saying that because it's um, <laughs> no, um, Amsterdam, I mean, it's, it's sort of the model has just grown. And so, Maxine came over to the US thinking that this could be something that could come to Edinburgh. And it's been sort of, I think a lot of people had thought about and tried to bring it to Scotland. And I think it had mixed success of, because what it is, in essence, you have to build a nonprofit from scratch. And asking someone to come and build a nonprofit from scratch, you know, most people don't want to leave their jobs and do that, if you probably. Mm -hmm. So um, I, I was leaving, I, you know, I'd worked at the eight to six for seven years and had done a lot of great work. And she came over and she did a training with us. Um, we talked about how to set it up. And about a year later, she called me up. She said, you know, would you mind coming over? I've got sort of the setup done. I've got volunteers, I've got people interested, I'm raising money. Could you come over and train and talk to our board and our volunteers about the model? Because in essence, she was just going over to them and saying, this is what it is. Mm. And so I came over with colleague and we trained with them. And I fell in love with the city. I was like, this is a great city. You know, I'd always wanted to live overseas anyway, yeah. but I was like, that city's really awesome. Like, you know, easy to walk around. People are really nice. Scottish people are incredibly nice. Mm. And I was like, you know, I say I'm a New Yorker, but I'm born and bred New Yorker. And New Yorkers yeah. are somewhat nice, but somewhat abrasive, right? We're New Yorkers, We're not, they're not the easiest people to get along with. Um, and I hear there's a city that I was like, wow, it's really nice. And people are inviting me to their homes for dinner and all these things are happening. And so I offered, I said, well, you know what? I need a new challenge. I'm looking to do something interesting. I, I'm ex I, I've been wanting to sort of move overseas and try to figure out a way. And so I said, I'll come over 
and I'll help you start it up. Mm. And I'll take, I'll lead and I'll help you set it up and I'll get the program off the ground and help you with that. And I'll do it for a number of years and then someone can take it over from me. Right. So my ideal is to just sort of set up the structure, get the organization up and running and sort of, I would say pervasive throughout Scotland mm. and then step away <laughs> and then let someone else take it over. But so that, that was, that was the goal, but it was sort of one of these challenges of, can you go to another country and start a nonprofit organization? You know? And I was like, and you know, it's, it's, it's been great. It's been a lot of work. Mm. It's been fun. Um, but it's been interesting because I really had no idea if the model, you know, it's a very different model, right, of how you have engagement with young people. And young pe people like to think of young people as this monolith of people, right? Of, yeah. of some, like, young people, they're all the same. They're so different, right, from place to place, city to city, country to country. So it was sort of like, is this going to take somewhere else, right? Is this going to happen? Is the, are the schools going to be interested, right? You're sort of going on a... So we in a prayer of thinking like, okay, the school's going to want this. We're going to be able to raise money. These things are going to happen, right? But it's sort of falling into place. We're still raising money. And I think we'll always be raising money. It's a nonprofit. So funds are always necessary. Mm -hmm. But we were able to in infiltrate the schools. <laughs> Infiltrate's a bad word. But work with the schools. Really, I think... Um, it was something I, I, I came on board and I come from 826. And one of the things with 826 was that the school system, no matter where, teaches to the test. So the teachers have very limited space to put anything like creative writing or anything into mm. a school system. We always say it was like, there's a, like you don't have, a teacher doesn't have enough shelf space. And anything that's sort of, then it has to be really geared towards everything they do. So implementation within the US was always slow. It's, it's picked up a bit, I think, because the model works so well, but it was always slow and you did, you, how many schools could you get to? How many kids could you work with? What could happen? So we came over and I remember telling the trustees, I think it was my first meeting, I said, so if we get in, by the time three years is out, we might be in three or four schools. That, you know, let, let, let's count that as a win. That's the best way to do it. And, you know, we did the first school, Leith Academy, and it's great. We worked with 34 kids. And then they came back and said, well, can you work with pretty much, can you do like five or six workshops? And we're like, well, yeah, that's great. Then we heard from another school and that was Broughton High School. And they had seen the Leithers Guide. And they're like, well, you, this is amazing. Can you do this at our school? She's like, yeah, sure, that's great. So we could do it at your school. And then it just sort of snowballed. Yeah, I mean, it, what's great is never under, never underestimate the competitiveness between schools in a in a, a local area. They always want to they always want to get out, which is great. Maybe I don't know if you guys have that in the in the states, but it's a very British thing where the schools will compete with each other over and over and over again about all sorts of things, and that could be one of them. And I, when you said about teaching to the test over in the US, I know because well, I've come from the English system and the English system and Scottish system are, are slightly different. But in the English system, the, the big criticism that teachers had was that we, we have to teach the test, you have to teach the exam, you have to teach the syllabus. But at the same time, we were always asked to look for opportunities where we could bring outside practitioners into the school as a kind of enhanced learning opportunity. So being able to have the headspace 
where you could bring in practitioners from an outside organization, such as um, Superpower Agency, and allow them to do all this. I mean, at the time, I remember thinking, they're doing all the stuff that I really want to do. Like, every teacher wants to teach creative writing. Every teacher wants to, you know, be, everyone, everyone wants to be that good teacher that they had in the past. Yeah. Um, but you, you, you're shackled and you've got all these other concerns, you're spinning plates. So being able to give the kids that headspace and the teachers the headspace where for six workshops or eight workshops, they're allowed to just focus on the fun stuff. Yeah. And as yeah. you say, it is teaching by stealth because then they're not, not going to bring in their knowledge of the skills and techniques in their writing. It's going to, it's going to kind of feed into it, you know? Exactly. Exactly. And I think it, it's been amazing because the teachers have been, the teachers in the schools, head teachers have been really great because they've seen it and they're like, okay, we need this. How do we fit it in? Right. So in essence, I think, like you said, the sort of like things of having outside agencies come in and work and them sort of figuring, seeing this can only help. Right. And I think, there's a portion of for our, the assessments here that they have a creative writing aspect to it for their portfolios for English. Mm. So, but you have a lot of people, if you've never done it before, suddenly it's like, write a story about, you know, a giant. And you're like, well, you know, if you're 15, 16, you're like, well, I've never had to write a story about a giant before. I've never, you know, you're suddenly asking me to use my imagination, but you've never asked me to use it before. Yeah. Right. And suddenly I'm supposed to use it automatically awesome which you know depending on the kid you can do but for many of them it's uh, you know if everything you've done has been about math science sports and been very rigorous to suddenly be asked to write something creative or suddenly be able to ask to write anything at all if you Mm -hmm. writing has not been the thing that is being pushed it's a difficult thing so i think for a lot of schools we work with they've been like oh we see the need for this and how do we get the young people to at least to be able to, you know, there's the writing piece and all the things that come with writing, mm. you know, the critical analysis, the being able to communicate, the being able to express your thoughts and yourself and being creative. Well, that leads me on to my next question actually, because in an age where arguably STEM subjects, so science, technology, engineering, mathematics, uh, they're very much at the forefront of the national agenda, both in Scotland and in the, and the UK, if I'm going to be completely honest with you. Why do you think creative writing is such an important skill for young people to develop? You know, it's, it's funny. We had the same conference. We had the same talk in the US, right? Mm. There was a, um, that, you know, it was, it's, it's, everything became very STEM heavy, right? STEM, which is it, very important. But I was like, you know, if you want to write your theory, if you want them to become scientists and they need to write a report or a theorem, they need to know how to write, mm-hmm. right? If you're working in a team and you need to get your thoughts across, you need to know how to write. So writing was, is a logical step in all of this and needs to be a part of it and you need to teach them. In the States um, at 826, we did a project with, um, where we put STEM and creative writing together. Mm. So the young people would do workshops on science and then be able to write stories about what sort of they were learning and sort of if they were doing experiments. Like we had done one workshop about this, we called it STEM and the zombie apocalypse. So they were supposed to write stories about, right, zombies, everyone's zombies is everything, right? They were supposed to write stories about the zombie apocalypse, but we were teaching them about disease, would be actually very apropos for where we are now in the world, disease vectors. Mm right? How, multiplication, how things multiply, you know, um, rates of decay, 
and all these things. And then they were supposed to write stories about the zombie apocalypse. So they, and from a scientific point of view. So in the stories, they could write about disease vectors as part of their escape from the city or, you know, what happened to their family during the zombie apocalypse. So, mm. you know, I think the, the writing of it, or the importance of writing, I think that concept of critical analysis and thinking and all those things that you need for STEM come from writing. Those things of being able to express yourself and to put your thoughts to paper and be able to be more active about putting that out in the world. I think it's a part of STEM anyway. And it's not mutually exclusive. I mean, no. creative writing, STEM, there's an entire genre of writing that focuses heavily on using science and indeed fiction. Science fiction. It, exactly. And, and I often have, I have conversations with people who are from uh, engineering backgrounds and they, they tend to have quite analytical minds. They, they tend mm-hmm. to see things a certain way. But they're all huge science fiction fans. And when you realize, uh, hang on, not only does creative writing teach really valuable uh, life skills for young people, how to write a job application. You have to be a little bit creative in doing that. Not too creative. Not too creative. creative. (laughs) Um, it's, It's this ability to be able to communicate your thoughts on paper or on the screen. That's really important. But again, you can, you can bring in all this knowledge that you may have of science and your love of science and apply it in a creative way in writing. Think about Star Trek written in the 60s, right? Communicators, all the things that now are sort of part of our world, cell phones and things come from a science fiction. Someone wrote those, mm. right? They didn't come, they were created by somebody and out of his brain, with some science involved in it, but created out of his brain. And now they're part of what we do and part of who we are as people and that's science, right? That's that sort of creativity piece of it all to be able to imagine how the world can be, right? And to be yeah. able to describe and, and, and think about what the world can be. What are you most proud of, Gerald? I'm proud of the students that we work with because they've been able to, you know, I, was, I laugh and I say they take these like, you know, these strangers come into their classrooms and tell them, we're gonna write a book. You're going to write, you're not, we are, you are going to write a book and that book's going to be produced. And the leap of faith that they, cause they, I, I would say every classroom, they never believe us. They, and they, we bring in books and say other classes have written these things and that they each time take a leap of faith with us to create this book, right? That where they write their stories, that they open themselves up, whether creative, whether it's creative and it's fiction, some of it's nonfiction, but I'm, I'm so proud of them and so many of them, right, to take that leap of faith with us that we're going to do that. But I think, I think for me, I'm proud, you know, we've produced, been able to produce 17 different publications, books, um, some we call a chat book, which is sort of a smaller version. Like we've got books that we sell. Well, we sell everything in the stores just to be able to raise money and bring it back into the program to keep them free. Um, but that we've been able to create these 17 publications in, in less than three years, really, um, that are out in the universe now and a testament to the power of writing and the power of publication for young people and what it gives them that confidence, that boost, that self-esteem. Um, I think it's amazing. I think um, that, that, I think we were last year were nominated for a Scottish, one of the Scottish Charity Awards. Mm. in celebrating communities and we'd only been around for like two or three years so i was like you know it was great because you know i think you never know whether or not your work's appreciated yeah 
well, not never know, but you know, in the larger context, you know, it's re- appreciated by the people you work with. Mm. In the larger context of the universe is appreciated and to understand that it is appreciated by people um, has been great. And we're just now in the process of launching a, we couldn't do book, let's go into the COVID question. Since we couldn't have our book launches, we decided to try to have a virtual book launch. Mm. So what we wound up doing was we sort of sent a call out to people we knew, friends, and it winds up being actors and comedians, Stephen Fry yeah. and, and um, Russell Tovey and uh, Alexander McCall Smith and John Byrne, the artist John Byrne, um, to read the kids' stories. Mm. And that they, if they videotape themselves, right, this is when we're all locked away and can do nothing else. Could you videotape yourself reading one of the kids' stories, send it to me, we're gonna edit it all together, and we're gonna launch this virtual book launch. So we did that, we had about 34 readers, Mm. There's a hundred stories and that's just called from the like nine books that we put out. Um, and we put together this launch. It's like, we literally like 24 videos. I think it's like seven hours of footage mm. edited down to just be this amazing testament of people reading. I think it's always great when adults read young mm. people's work, especially I think the primary school students, primary school students, their writing is hilarious. Mm. I, I, I urge everyone, if you ever, pick up one of our books and could read the primary school books. All of them really are great, but the primary schools, because with all kids, right? The way their minds work, it's, you're just like, I'm always astounded. It's always like the story goes along and then something weird happens and they take it for like, that's fine. That's the way the world works. And I'm like, oh, I read one story and then it goes along and I forgot what happens. Mm. So it goes along and then it, literally he's like, and then everyone blew up. And we were all happy and everything was fine. And I was like, really? Oh, okay. But it was, but it was great because you're really reading this like story that's like everything's happening and it's all going along. But I think um, we've, this virtual book launch is coming out and we just launched it this week. And so um, really proud of the people who we got to, um, who agreed to sort of this, another leap of faith to be part of this. Mm. Um, and then 100 and 450, like it, right. It's 450, right. Young writers in these books. And so this sort of amazing piece of work that's going to be coming out over the next couple of weeks, um, slowly dripping and drabbing out of book launch. I think it's really amazing. I, I love it. It's, I think to me, the date will probably one of the biggest accomplishments we've done. Absolutely. And certainly to do it under lockdown conditions, I mean, for the listeners at home who are listening to this now, this is uh, time of recording is September 2020. We are looking at potentially more restrictions. We've just come out of lockdown. Now we're looking at an ever-changing situation at the moment. So yeah. to be able to put that together and liaise with these with these people, these celebrities or these authors, um, and work with these young people, actually, so to then put that out, to be able to put that out is a huge achievement. Yeah, yeah, I think it was, um, it's sort of like when we decided, we're like, okay, what can we do, right? And especially now, since we did a lot of this stuff over the summer, sort of mm. as the school year was ending, and over the summer, and then now we've gotten to a new school year, and we're trying to figure out, and I think this is probably every nonprofit, really, of trying mm. to figure out how do you adapt to this situation, right? Yeah. And we are, our model is based on us going into schools, Right. And us yeah. bringing volunteers into schools. And that's just not going to happen. Right. I think for the foreseeable future, it's not going to happen. So we're just trying to figure out how can we engage the community? How can we engage young people um, 
how can we let people know what we do mm. and the need for it? Because I think it's really for writing, anything like writing is going to be much more important. Not much more important, but more important than ever. Because, you know, suddenly we've all been sitting in our houses for like months. And the young people have been sitting in their houses for mm. months and months and months. And, you know, I think they've been troopers in it, but how do they now express that? Yeah. Right. Or deal with those emotions or deal with whatever was going on. And you write the schools are teaching and in, in a capacity was, I talked to one of our teachers yesterday and the capacity of which they're teaching is so incredibly limited. I'm amazed that they're doing it, but mm. it's so incredibly limited that it's suddenly the kids are just learning, right? It's just learning. And there doesn't seem to be time for any of the stuff that comes out of like, how are you doing? <laughs> right? How are you coping? Like, what is it? What happened then? How are you dealing with it now? And with this concept that we're about to, we might actually be all locked down again, it's how do we get the young people to sort of process that, right? We're adults. I don't know if you, even we adults are processing it mm. as well as we could be, but if you're 12 and trying to process. Well, absolutely. I, I mean, we're living in historic times. Yeah. Muddling through, as my, my mother used to say, but there will be a moment where hopefully, but not, in the non too distant future where we're able to sit down and put pen to paper and, and try to creatively express what we were going through and yeah. how what it was like to be in that situation so yeah this leads on to the, the next question but you've kind of already answered that in terms of next steps um we're all kind of thinking okay what do we do next how are we gonna how are we gonna help the young people in in scotland digest what is happening now mm-hmm. or for later yeah. Yeah, I think we, we, we're trying to come up with an online solution. Mm. Since we can't go into schools, we've been working with a group called the Scottish Tech Army to try to create sort of an online, a very simple online writing platform mm. where the young people can write and the volunteers can edit and comment and we can go back and forth. So there is some writing going on introduced in some way virtually by me or someone else. The workshop would be introduced, but that then they can write because I think for many of us, you've got to find a way to continue to engage, right? My big fear is that we're going to have a generation of young people who all they do is wash their hands <laughs> yeah. and don't hug people because they're afraid to hug people, right? And they avoid each other in the street because, you know, it's sort of like the compassion and things that we, are, that we have that are, I think, the bulk of who we are that they'll miss out on because yeah, they're not. The so-called generation COVID. Exactly, exactly. And so how do we at least let them know that there are people out there who care about them, that mm. there are people out there who are, you know, that there's help and people willing to sort of take part and that still care. Um, we did an online pen pals project right before school ended. Where we got our volunteers to write to, we sort of go between and wrote and emails back and forth between them. And it was such a sweet, it would probably do that again, but it was so sweet because it was, you were really, you know, seeing how they were affected by this. And a lot of times they were like, I miss my friends, right? My friend and I usually, as one young woman's like, my friend and I usually have our birthday party at school in April. And now we can't do that. And I'm really, you know, I'm, I feel sad for her not having our birthday party. I know she feels the same way. And so this concept of them, like, I think of anything, like missing that sort of social interaction. And so how do we... I don't know if there's a supplement for that, but we need to figure out what that supplement is yeah. to help them until we can all sort of hug again or talk to each other in person without 
masks. Hopefully soon. Hopefully soon. Hopefully it doesn't take too long. Um, but I think, yeah. But I think in the meantime, I think uh, being able that sort of, and allowing young people to create and be mm. creative, I think is going to be, I think is going to be really important. Gerald, thank you so much for being on the show. It's been fascinating. John, I've, it's great to be here. I've had a great time. Thank you so much for having us and learning about Superpower Agency. Thanks for dropping by, everyone. Don't forget to hit that like button and subscribe to us. We'd really appreciate it. I've been John Malloy, and I hope you enjoyed the show. Join me again next week for another edition of 101 George Street. Until then, take care. <laughs>